0: Welcome back in to another episode of Frogs Insider, episode 13. As a matter of fact, I'm Jamie Plunkett, here as always with Melissa Treewasser. We are the TCU Podcast for the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Network. We've got a great episode for you tonight, breaking down the preseason All-Big 12 football team, where four Horn Frogs made the list, as well as a TCU baseball recruiting update, and... Damian Ball made his Los Angeles Lakers appearance earlier this week in Sacramento, which was kind of fun. Uh, we'll get to all of that. But first, this podcast is sponsored in part by Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is, in my opinion, the purveyor of the softest hoodies and t shirts I have ever owned. In fact, as you can see on the screen, Melissa. I am wearing one right now. I I am
1: not, but that's for reasons that will be discussed later. I had to wrap a little Sacramento pride. I
0: Had had to go a little sack town because of one of the comments that we'll get to from Twitter, one of the Twitter questions that we'll get to in a little bit. But if you want to join in on the comfort of Home Field Apparel, you can do so by heading over to homefieldapparel.com and using the code in 15 That's FROGS, in one to get 15% off of your first purchase. And if you love that first purchase of Home Field Apparel so much that you want to go back for more, the code in 15 will get you 10% off your second purchase and beyond. So head over to homefieldapparel.com and order something from the good brand today. Melissa. Jamie. Before we get into TC related things, I want to recognize the one year anniversary, a big day, big anniversary, big big moment, the happy one year anniversary to the Pac-12 board of directors officially opening up negotiations for a new media rights deal.
1: It did not go well.
0: They said on this day, July 5th, the day that we're recording this, 2022 Pac 12 board of directors met this morning and authorized the conference to immediately begin negotiations for its next media rights agreements. So wait.
1: Yeah, um in theory, the announcement which, you know, came shortly on the heels of the Big 12 12- Doing some good negotiating um, or or open having theirs expire. I can't remember the timeline of it all. Um, It seemed prudent for the the Pac-12 to go ahead and get its name out there. The problem with getting your name out there is you can't leave it out there for a year um, without any kind of resolution as to what's happening. And in the last year, the Pac-12 has now had to deal with the four corner schools. Think about maybe will they or won't they leaving? Um, San Diego State now you know will they or won't they letter of resignation intent to resign (laughs) that is not an intent to resign that might actually get them kicked out um they've had to stoop so low as to court smu potentially um things and and, you know as a as a fan of of some west coast schools and having some ties to some of the pac-12 schools um I I am not reveling in uh, the dumpster fire that is the media rights negotiation for that conference. Like many of my uh, big 12 brethren are. Um, But I understand why people are laughing at the PAC 12 because they truly cannot get out of their own way when it comes to figuring out how to survive the next round of realignment, which is inevitable.
0: I am laughing at the PAC 12. I will gladly admit that I am doing that because We know and we have known as TCU people for a really long time, Melissa, that this whole industry of college football and college athletics as a whole is you're either growing or you're dying. Yeah, You're either eating or you're being eaten. And the Pac-12 had the perfect opportunity to absolutely kill the Big 12. This time two years ago, when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were leaving the Big 12, I guess this time last year, Two years ago. Uh, two years ago. Either way, they had the opportunity. When Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were leaving the Big 12, the Big 12 was immediately on the ropes. The remaining eight schools had to figure something out and figure something out quickly. And all the Pac-12 had to do, all the Pac-12 had to do, was call Oklahoma State, TCU, and pick two other schools. Kansas State, Kansas, Tech, Baylor, whoever or six of them, and say, come on. Yeah. And they would have jumped. They would have jumped so quickly, and the Pac-12 would not be in the situation that they are right now. They'd already have a new media rights deal. For certain, they would already have a new media rights deal. Um, but instead, they didn't do that. Uh, I can't remember if Clive Koff was there yet or if it was still was. Larry Scott. But No, it
1: was, it was Clive Koff. Huh?
0: And, and it's just uh, it's still baffling to me that they didn't take advantage of that the way that they should have and it's not surprising at this point in time that they are teetering like they are simply because of their lack of uh aggression and also because of the grenades that brett yormark has consistently been lobbing into their lap for the last year on the job
1: well and, and in that note you know not to quote a garth brooks song five minutes into the podcast but let's just get there
0: serial killer garth brooks <laughs>
1: Some, you know, it's the unanswered prayer things. Like if you think about joining up with the Pac-12, which easily could have happened two years ago, making that agreement, then you are operating um, under a conference guided by George Klyakov, who's who hasn't been a complete disaster compared to Larry Scott, but pretty damn close, versus Brett Yormark, who, plug, have a, a article kind of touting his praises coming out tomorrow. I had a big 12 media days on Frogs Inside on Patreon. But um, who? Yeah, you're you're welcome. Um, yeah. But uh, somebody who has has proven himself to be the most innovative commissioner in collegiate sports, who's proven himself to be among the most forward thinkers in athletics. Period. Who. Has done nothing but hit the ball out of the park in every aspect, whether that's advertising sales, whether that's marketing, whether that's taking the Big 12 international. I mean, they're going to be Big 12 games in Canada and Mexico, and it seems inevitable that more will be coming um, beyond football and basketball, but you know, you can absolutely see. Big 12 soccer and Big 12 baseball, you know, playing games in Mexico and and other parts of the world. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see an overseas game, you know, in the near future as well. And so, um, you know, would you rather be tethered to say the Pac 12 survives and they get the Big 12's media rights, but you still have to operate in a world where you know George Clayhoff is your your commissioner, or are you happy to be the Big 12, all things as is, with the commissioner who also announced? on that one-year anniversary, that he intends to stay at 14 teams when Texas and Oklahoma leave for the Big 12. And so it seems like more moves are coming, which won't be a surprise to anybody with the flirting that's been going on with Gonzaga and UConn and and other schools throughout the country. So um, I feel as good about the state of the Big 12 as I have since before Texas and Oklahoma left um, and when it comes time for the next dominoes to fall, uh, you have to think the Big 12 is positioned uh, well behind, you know, obviously the, the SEC and, and the Big 10, though they've had some issues to have some level of stability, even if those two conferences try to shake things up even more. Um, and I think a lot of schools around the country that are looking at exploring making a change would be very happy to answer a call from Brett, you are Mark and the big 12 offices based on what they've seen him do in just 12 months time.
0: Phones are probably going to be ringing sooner rather than later. Not great. I'd have to, I'd have to assume at this point, one way or another, right? Like the phones are going to be ringing. Um, does that mean that anybody's going to for sure jump ship soon? No, I don't think so. I think I'd take the same kind of line as um, the split zone duo guys do Melissa, Richard Johnson, uh, Stephen Godfrey and Alex Kirshner, great, great college football podcast. By the way, great if you job. don't listen yeah. to them, splits on duo, um, where they say it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen unless it actually happens. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I, I, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to to joke about the Pac-12 dying, in my opinion, because of their foolishness for the last two years. It's fun to just have this kind of banter, especially this time of year in the off season. But uh, you know, if it happens, it happens, and that's cool. Do I think it's going to happen anytime soon? Not particularly. No, especially with with no, with no deal in place. You're not going yeah. to leave a place without knowing what you're leaving first, because if by some grace of God, the Pac-12 gets a number relatively close to the Big 12, I think that pretty much seals the deal on no expansion happening for the Big 12 as far as poaching Pac-12 Agreed. schools. Go. You
1: know what else? And, and just as somebody who you know studied radio TV film in college and has a fascination with media. The other thing that's kind of hovering over all of this is that the streaming bubble is about to burst as well mm-hmm. um, with how spread out things are with t- some teams are trying to manage their own streaming platforms. I think we're about to see a, a major shift in how people consume media and how that Im- we're already seeing how that impacts some of these media rights deals. But that's another thing where we're on the precipice of a major shakeup in that regard, because, you know, cutting the cord was supposed to save people money. And now you're being asked to subscribe to, you know, five, eight, 10, 12 different services in order to watch your favorite teams. And for those of us that maybe don't live in the same state as the school that we want to watch, especially when it comes to some of those, um, you know, second tier, as far as, you know, uh, interest, like national interest sports, um, it's getting a lot harder and a lot more expensive to do. And so, and, you know, again, this is where I'm Brett, your mark, because he comes out of the entertainment industry and he has a lot of experience in athletics as well, may have have something cooking in that regard, too, that I'll be interested to watch. When you look at some of the hires, the Big 12 has made. I mean, we all get those press releases and everyone kind of glosses over them. But it's very clear that they're scaffolding for something bigger in the future when it comes to the way that they market their own teams and the way that they get. Beyond like a Longhorn net, Longhorn network or Pac-12 network, I, I think something bigger might be coming down the pipeline as well. Um, and, and I'm going to be very thankful that Brett Yormark and, and his team are the ones that that'll be behind making that happen.
0: I fully agree. I fully agree. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, at least in my house, we have the what are we subscribed to, what can we unsubscribe from conversation at least once a month, um, trying to trim back and and just make sure that all of a sudden we're not spending like $500 a month on subscription things, yeah. but you know um, it is what it is and hopefully they'll get it all figured out because you know, West coast football, whatever it looks like in the future, uh, I would like to watch it. I knew yeah. that much. So yeah, yeah. late. I, I need late night college football in the fall or, what am I going to do? Just go to bed at a reasonable hour. That's you're going to you're
1: going to stream you're going to stream some um, high school girls seven on seven. You know football. It's all right. I'll we'll make sure you get your fakes one way or the other. I promise. Are you coaching? I don't know yet.
0: Oh, okay. Should have
1: well, soon. Should know soon. Well, Feeling- if you're coaching, then you're, you're in. coaching. I'm then watching. You're in. Okay. If you're not good coaching,
0: time. feels creepy. Won't be watching. Yeah. Also, oh, so
1: good fact. Fair fact.
0: So there's that. <laughs> But uh, let's go ahead and dive into uh, the DC-related content that people came for this evening. Let's start, Melissa, with some football conversation. The Big 12 released. It's all Big 12 preseason first team today, and there were four Horn Frogs on it. Uh, the number four is important, by the way, because that's tied with Kansas and Kansas State for the second most players on this preseason first team all Big 12 what, list. What
1: a What a weird sentence. That yes. is, by the mm-hmm. way, what an unusual sentence to say. TCU is tied with Kansas State and Kansas very weird. For second most players on the all Bay yeah. 12
0: team. Texas obviously has the most because they're Texas. They've got sure. five. They've I, and frankly, they probably should this hard, year have them. It's argue. hard to argue. Yeah. You know, I know you filled out a ballot. I filled out a ballot. I I think I had four of the five Texas players on my ballot. I also had four, all four of those TCU players plus a fifth tcu player as well but we can get into that in just a minute um first dom williams johnny hodges josh newton and griffin kell all make the first team all big 12 most are there any surprises to you out of that foursome
1: no, I mean I think those are 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 the obvious ones, quote unquote. Um, you've got Dom Williams who you know is moving to a new position, it appears, but you know obviously showed what a dominant player he can be, and in a year where you know it's not quite the depth at defensive line that it was a season ago, I, I think he's an obvious choice. Plus. He's a guy with a lot of personality. You saw a lot of a lot of him because the TCUs run. Absolutely uh inarguable to me that Josh Newton is a first team um defensive back. Uh he, he might be um, you know, the the best secondary player in the conference this year. Um and and has a chance to be I think an all American um if he gets the opportunities. Um Johnny Hodges is the reigning newcomer of the year at linebacker. So I think that that again I, you know, lack of real competition. Um, sorry, and I'm not sure if I'm. I'm looking at the. I, I'm looking at my personal list, and I. I kind of lost what you said, but that all of that seems to make a lot of sense. And then Griffin Kell, um, as place kicker, again just not a lot of experience um, behind him, and so it does seem to make a ton of sense that he would be the place kicker there. And, and again. Hard to argue based off of what he did last year. He was absolutely exceptional um, reigning player at that position. So um, no big, no big surprises there. I mean, everything kind of, I had all those, all four of those guys um, on my list, a couple, a couple additional ones. Um, weird to see, and, and I think we understand why, but very, very weird to see an off, first team offense without a single horn frog on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think about going into this time last year, Quentin Johnson was on that list. There were a couple other guys. I think Steve Avila was on that list as well. Um, Darius Davis, I think, was the kick returner and punt returner on that list. And so, I mean, with all those guys going to the draft, all those guys graduating, it makes sense that that TCU this year offensively sure. doesn't have a guy on this list. Does that mean that's going to be the way at the end of the season? I don't, I don't think it I don't will. think so. Uh, I don't think it means that, but, you know, preseason lists are only as valuable as preseason lists can possibly be. You still got to go play some football. Um, who I'm interested to hear, though, because I had one TCU guy on my ballot that didn't end up on the list. Who Who did you have from TCU that didn't end up on the first team?
1: So this is where I, I am unashamedly a little bit of a homer. when I When I fill these ballots out, I really do try to be as objective as possible. I don't, you know, just vote straight ticket here. Sure. But there, there are a couple guys. And again, just based on it's, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns at marquee positions. And so if I'm not sure I'm going to lean a little bit horn frog and also you're, you've got the team that's coming off of playing in the national championship. Um, So all three of the guys I picked for offense are all newcomers. So absolutely no, no reason whatsoever to be able to justify this. Um, I think, I put Trey Sanders as a running back. I think he's going to, I think he has a chance to be an all big 12 level running back. And when you look again at, at, you know, there's going to be a lot of split carries across the conference and a lot of at at that position. And so I think he's got an opportunity. Um, I think that, John Paul Richardson is going to be among the lead leaguers in total catches. Now, not total yards, but I think he could have a double-digit touchdown season. Um, I just think the way that the offense is designed, he's going to have a lot of opportunity um, and then just based on hearing you talk about him, I, it was weird to me to not put an offensive lineman from TCU on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't go with either of the guys who are getting kind of that love, the se- the guys that are going to be seniors in the fall. And instead I went with the transfer and, and Willis Patrick, because I just think that okay. he is, he is going to surprise some people. He's, he's an unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think he's a really, really good fit at TCU and he has a chance to kind of be that you you don't hear a lot about offensive linemen unless something bad happens or something really good happens. And I think we're going to hear a lot from him in the press conferences. He's going to be a guy um, that gets some opportunities to put, kind of put his name out there and it was just kind of my shot in the dark. So I, again, I, I went six. It was too many. I felt guilty about a couple of them, but I'm also like, what the heck do I care? I'm going to go for it. There are hundreds of people vote on these. I mean, obviously because they give both of us a ballot. So, you know, <laughs> it can't be that exclusive. So it's true.
0: It, yeah. it can't be that exclusive. I, I like the Willis Patrick uh, selection. I have had the chance to meet him in person and he is massive. He's a big, big human very big human. Yeah. Uh, will no doubt do well on the offensive line this year. Uh, I had, like I said, I had a fifth frog on my ballot. It was Brandon Coleman. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that Brandon's going to have a really good year for the frogs. I think he ends up on one of these postseason all big 12 teams, whether that's first or second, I don't know. Um, I think maybe because you mentioned that both Coleman and Andrew Coker have been getting a lot of preseason love from various places. I wonder if folks kind of split the ballot Uh, with both of them. I was a little surprised not to see either of them on the list, but I'm wondering now if some folks, just enough folks wrote in Coker, just enough folks wrote in Coleman that neither of them ended up with the number that they needed to get on the first team. But I, you know, I I also can't argue with the guys that did make the first team on the offensive line. I mean, all five of those dudes are dudes. Yeah, so especially Cooper Beebe and Robin yeah. Banks Jr. Like those two dudes are awesome. I debated having Jared Wiley as my tight end, but then I remembered that Jatavion Sa- Saunders exists yeah. and, and you just can't. Like that would have been probably the most homerish thing that I did on my ballot sure. if I had gone with Wiley over Saunders. But
1: I also um, like let the hype train <clears throat> just go crazy for Texas once again. You know, just let it mm-hmm. give them all of the accolades, all of the things. Um, I, I lied at the group text. I said that I had put Quinn Ewers as my QB one, forgetting that. No, I'm stupider than that. I put Will Howard. Um, uh, and, nice. and I know. And and just I also put him as my offensive player of the year because I'm a stupid person. I think I'm kind of trying to reverse jinx him if I'm being really honest. Um, I just think of, when here you for look, it. I know, but it, when you look at all of, how few quarterbacks are returning that played a full season for their current team next year, that have a year of big 12 experience? Um, you know, I, I think the book might get out on Will Howard. Obviously, we saw what what Alabama did to Kansas State. But right now I think he's probably the most consistent guy. And with another year in that offense and a full year starting, mostly a full year starting under his belt. um, I think he has a chance to have a big season. And I think Kansas state did a really nice job. Um, You know, I I have Treshawn Ward as my newcomer of the year. I think he's going to, he's not going to be Deuce spawn, but he's going to be really, really good for the wildcats and they have some really nice pieces. So I, I think he has a chance to have a big season. He's got a good offensive line. He's got a great weapon in Phillip Brooks. Um, who could do you know a lot of different things needs the the kick returner for the conference um k-state's it, it, you know much like texas is kind of in a put up or shut up year and and they they're getting more recognition than we've seen kansas state ever get um they also I, I learned this week on um social media that they've never had a 12-win season in their history and so um uh, mm-hmm. that really that that was kind of surprised me like i like you don't ever think of you know these great super elite kansas state teams but they've played in BCS games they've had extended seasons kind of crazy to think they've never kind of topped that 12 win threshold um TCU hasn't done it since last year so we'll see but um I I think it's it's Kansas State such an interesting position I'm very interested to see what the uh the the poll comes out for uh the conference rankings where where Kansas State lies I had them second behind Texas um Mm -hmm. and I I think I have a feeling they'll be second or third depending on what people think of Oklahoma
0: yeah i'm gonna keep my i'm gonna keep my poll quiet until they release that list we can talk about yeah. that on the next pod yeah. um but i think we're we're probably pretty similar we're probably pretty similar at least yeah. at the top I'm, I'm interested to see what the bottom half of your yeah your poll looks like because i think it really is God, a total bad. a total crap shoot it gets it gets, so bad, bad. It gets bad pretty quick this year yeah. in the big 12 honestly it really does I, I, and i said this i, I was on a Oh. A radio show in Tulsa earlier this week on Monday morning and they were asking kind of about the wide openness of the Big 12 and I was like I think that's partially why you're seeing I mean obviously Texas is always going to get a little bit of that legacy vote um, but I think that's part of the reason there's so much Texas hype this year is you just kind of look at the Big 12 top to bottom and it's just like oh I mean I have no idea who's actually going to yeah. end up winning this conference. Do I think a team is going to come away clean and make it to the playoff? No, I don't, no. because I think that this is going to be an eat your own children kind of situation. Yeah. So, you know, and, yeah. and you know, from that, from a TCU perspective, I think that's going to end up being pretty good because, you know, in a year where you're quote unquote reloading uh, that's an opportunity to maybe uh, hit a speed bump and still be in the running late in the season.
1: Yeah. Like, like you said, I, I don't know that, if a team is going to make a run to the last year of the fourteen playoff, it has to be Texas. Probably, I think they're the only one that are really positioned to be able to do that. When you look at, mm-hmm. at talent, depth, and schedule, um, it's going to be really hard for another team, you know, to to get through that slate, that nine game conference slate without you know, one or two losses. Just it, the schedule is messy. This this fourteen team, I, there's a lot of junk at the bottom. There's a lot of bad teams, but there's also a lot of bad teams that could rise up and beat you once or t- like they're, they're a lot of those teams are no one's not going to win a game I'll put it that right. way like everybody's right. going to find even even Cincinnati's going to find a way to beat somebody they showed There's probably going to be like Texas Tech like middle of November when they're one game out of first place or something to torpedo their season which I think would be delightful but <laughs> um you know even even Scott Satterfeld's gonna back into one I think this year so it's 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 fun like it's going to be even more fun the following year um you know like mm-hmm. just I think, and again, the way that that things are positioned surrounding the conference, if the football can continue to be good and entertaining like it was last year, then it, it we have we have a chance for a couple of of really fun years, and and for the Big Twelve to establish itself as you know maybe not the elite elite conference in the land, but the one that you want to make sure that you tune into every week.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, this is kind of the most fun college football situation is where every game feels like it matters yeah you know i mean if you're watching alabama vandy like this game doesn't matter yeah right if you're watching south carolina auburn nine times out of ten that game doesn't matter
1: yeah
0: and I mean, rutgers illinois that game doesn't matter in the big 10 but it feels like every game in the big 12 is going to matter this year and beyond which is is super super yeah super exciting other exciting things though melissa Damian Ball, we had questions about what was going to happen to him post-draft two episodes ago. Last episode, we had learned that he signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. If you want to know more about what an Exhibit 10 contract is, I would highly encourage you to go back to last week's episode and listen. Um, we give you plenty of details on what an Exhibit contract, Exhibit 10 contract is in that episode. But nonetheless, either way, um, Damian Ball signed that contract has been working out with the Lakers summer league team and got his first minutes as a Los Angeles Laker, as a professional basketball player the other night up in Sacramento as a part of the uh, summer league bracket, I guess that's happening up that, Cal- that California way.
1: Classic. Yeah. Sorry, The Cal-
0: California classic. Cal- Thank classic. you so much. Yeah. Um, he did not start, but he had more minutes than anybody else off the bench with 24. He's the only, Bench player for the Lakers summer league team to cross that 20 minute threshold, which is pretty cool. Uh, played pretty well too. Yeah. Defense was the defense that we co- had come to love uh, at TCU. Uh, really good on the perimeter, long, getting in passing lanes, all that kind of stuff. He finished with uh, four points on two of six shooting. Three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and only two turnovers. We know about his turnover struggles at TCU, so it was good to see him handle the ball a little bit. Made some really good passes that guys just missed. A couple open corner threes that he had some good court vision to find uh, that that kind of clanged off the rim. Um, and also did a good job of drawing a couple fouls on drives to the rim. So overall, a really good first impression, in my opinion, for, for Damian Baugh in the league. Yeah.
1: And if you notice my eyes kind of flipping to the left here, it's because he's currently on the TV uh, playing right now with the Lakers (laughs) against San Antonio Spurs and he's on the court. So I'm kind of trying to keep, keep one eye on him. He just, he just had a, he's had back to back threes for him out. But yeah, I mean, he looks good. He looks like he belongs. I think he's a great candidate um, to stay with the Lakers G League affiliate. Um, I don't know if he'll get a two way. I think they're out of two ways. We discussed that last time. But um, if he continues to play well and he can showcase some ability, like you said, to distribute, to handle the ball, cut down those turnovers, somebody's going to pick him up on a two way. I mean, he's got size, mm-hmm. he can shoot it. Um, he's playing great defense he's rebounding the ball really really well through these first two games Um, he had he had three rebounds in the first half tonight and so um, I think he's doing what he needs to do to ensure that he can stay playing professional basketball stateside Um, you know obviously getting a two-way is is the best path for him Um, but if not you know I I think he'll he'll be with a G League affiliate and have a have a chance to work his way into maybe a 10-day contract and go from there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, you know, if he gets waived off his exhibit 10 and doesn't get a two-way, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's out altogether because he can Mm -hmm. still be on a G league team, get that G league contract Mm -hmm. and work his way back up from there. So at this point, obviously it's super early. He's less than a game and a half into it. uh, But he's, like you said, doing everything he needs to do at this point to, um, you know, have some, have some staying power, which I think we all, are really really pulling for yeah. for him because for sure. i mean just just a, a great human being overall just a great human being Damien boys so you would love to see that uh from him yeah that feels like a short basketball segment but i'm okay it's with the it
1: basketball we've got some basketball questions we do twitter, have some basketball que- so, you're right yeah. we got
0: some twitter basketball questions so we'll get back into hoops a little bit down the road um melissa baseball recruiting you want to give us an update
1: yeah. So yeah, <laughs> just get probably, me, I mean,
0: I feel like I'm talking a lot this episode.
1: Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's all good. Um, listen, a lot of excitement. Um, you know, the one thing that we we've seen, we know that TCU is going to um, lose some really critical pieces, um, some really impactful pieces. Um, we also know that there's going to be a lot of roster turnover at the end of a season like this. Some of it has already been um, announced, and some of it um, is surprising me as I'm reading it right now because I haven't been on Twitter much the last couple of days, not because of the rate limit, <clears> because <throat> of my two um, very young nieces. And um, turns out that you know you don't get to scroll on Twitter a lot when you're watching two year olds. It's really unfortunate.
0: That's- it's
1: true um, or you're getting puked on or peed on which are all things i experienced um <laughs> so but I, I will say that as i was scrolling this afternoon getting ready um for the show tonight um the one guy i did notice was colt taylor i think you had tweeted about him you did a great article on him um for 247 for hornfrog blitz where you do your writing now um and i was watching i so of course i immediately go to his twitter account like okay let's get it and i saw the release point jb and i'm mm-hmm. in love. Yeah. I love a submariner. I love a sidearm. I love a low arm slot. I love a guy that just gives you a different look. Um, I'm assuming he's, he's going to be a guy that comes out of the pen. Um, mm-hmm. I think being able to, to mix up a batter and change their eye level at the plate is so critical in college baseball. Um, and, and this dude seems like he's going to be a lot of fun. Um, he's not the biggest name that, that TCU got out of the portal, Colt Taylor out of Tennessee tech. Um, hopefully he's not the last guy to of Tennessee. To come to TCU. I'll let you talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh Peyton Toll is is probably the big one, right? The two-way player out of Wichita State. Um, I saw that kind of blew up at towards the end of last week. Uh, this is a big get. I think not a lot of people probably know much about Wichita State uh baseball. This is a, a kid who bats for a high average, he's got a lot of power, you know, showed a little bit of pop there. He can, he can, he's really good athlete. And then he can also, he can also pitch. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've seen kind of the rise of the two way player once again, in the college game um, on the heels of what Shoei Otani is doing in major league baseball. Um, this, this kid looks like he's for real. Um, and you may, you probably have a little bit more information if you kind of want to fill us in on some of the details there.
0: The best. Co- and, all right. This is gonna make people think things and it's not a direct comparison by any stretch of the imagination, The best TCU comp I have right now for Peyton Tolley is he is a left-handed Lucan Baker. So you think about, uh, well, so the power is the power numbers aren't quite there, right? Lucan is a generational power hitter. But when you think about two way player who pitches really well, can hit for power, mostly a DH first baseman, also, I mean, totally numbers-wise, like size-wise is almost right there. He's 6'6", 250, right? Like he's big boy. The big boy. Big boy. Throws hard, hits hard, right? Like those are the kind of guys you want. And, you know, I was talking uh, – I can't remember who I was talking with. It might have been Martin Martin Guerrero uh, over at the Lupton podcast. Uh, LSU – look at LSU's like physical build of yeah. that squad this year. They looked like a softball beer league team. And, uh, I mean, you need some big boys who can mash and some big boys that can throw the baseball hard and Peyton totally checks both of those boxes for TCU. He was an excellent player at Wichita state. Uh, he had a significant number of suitors in the transfer portal. I'm talking 20 to 30. At least schools reaching out to him, asking him to come play. A lot of those schools wanted him to play one way, which kind of crossed them off his list right away. Uh, When I had the chance to talk to him, though, I think the biggest thing that is going to help TCU next year with him on the team is the fact that he is 100% fully bought into the culture that Kirk Sarlos is building at TCU. Uh, Totally turned down significant NIL dollars elsewhere to come to TCU significant nil dollars to come to tcu he is not getting that same number as far as i know from tcu that he would have been getting elsewhere but he came to tcu because he saw kirk sarlos's vision he saw the opportunity to play both ways uh and he saw a culture that he wanted to be a part of which is a really cool thing because in this quote-unquote day and age to sound like an old man there is so much conversation about Oh, student athletes are just gonna to go to the highest bidder. Uh, if you just have, if you have the biggest NIL budget, you're in the best shape, which you know, largely is true. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, LSU probably has the largest baseball NIL budget in college baseball right now. And lo and behold, they won. Yeah, they bought
1: they, they bought they a title. Them. Yeah,
0: congrat and congratulations, yeah. right? Like they followed the Yankees blueprint, which worked what 27, 28 times. So, yeah. you know, if you've got the money, spend it, right? It's not my money, I don't care. Um, but it is nice to know, it is refreshing to know that there is still, uh, a space in college athletics where culture can ultimately win out, um, where, and that's not to say that TCU is not in good shape from an NIL perspective. They're in great shape from a baseball NIL perspective. Great shape. Sometimes you, we get into the, the comparison, the grass is greener thing with schools like LSU and Tennessee and Arkansas. And we're like, oh man, our NIL budget isn't that big. Oh, well, it's maybe not the biggest when you're comparing it to the three biggest NIL baseball yeah. budgets in the country, but I can assure you TCU's in the top 10, if not, if not higher. Well,
1: it, it, the other thing with those three <laughs> universities is those are public universities that are charging public tuition. And so it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dollar goes farther for a lot of those schools than it does at TCU where you're, you know, it's going to cost you some portion of 70 grand to go to school too. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's an arms race that TCU isn't going to win, but if they're in the top 10 and competitive and you've got a culture that can attract people and you have a, a history of winning, you're a quote unquote new blue blood and you have hmm. a coach and a, and a staff that people want to play for and a fan base that's pretty rabid and and pretty excited about you. Um, I, it, yeah, I, I think TCU is in outstanding shape, and I mean they've we've seen in two years that Kirk Sarloos can work the the transfer portal about as well as anybody, um, and is not only targeted elite players but elite players at position of need in a way that's been really really effective. Um, you know, when you look at the guys that are signing in, the guys that are rumored to be interested, it's it's really really cool to kind of think back to twenty three and twenty, and to see how. That kind of that that wave and that shift and in, in not just in success, but in the, the feeling and the vibes around the team obviously was noticed by guys outside mm-hmm. of the program in a way that is making them want to be a to like you said, to come be a part of something really special and really unique. And um, it, it, again, it it really just shows you when you build it the right way. That it it doesn't matter what obstacles you're up against, you can build success. And you could go out and buy buy a natty. And if you told me tomorrow that TC was going to buy a natty, I'd be totally okay with it. But it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team kind of come together again and and build hopefully towards a return to Omaha.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know they've they've beyond Toley too, right? They got a kid from Pepperdine and Jack Basier who is coming in as a corner infielder who also fits that mold. Good, good culture guy. Had a chance to catch up with him on the phone. He's, he's a really interesting kid. Uh, things at Pepperdine just didn't work out because sometimes things at schools don't work out the way you want them to. Uh, and he saw an opportunity to come to TCU and, and get back to his natural position, which is third base. So I think that's going to benefit both him and TCU next year uh, and the years beyond because he's got three years left to play. Um, totally has two years left to play, but he's probably yeah. a top, uh, he's probably a first round second round pick in the MLB draft next year. So it's like guys draft eligible. You're getting him for one year. You're getting a great two-way player. Just, you know, be thankful for that and and then celebrate the fact that everywhere he goes professionally, it's going to say TCU on his, on his profile. Um, there's a kid. I, I can't say his name right now, but there is a silent commit for TCU baseball currently um, who is going to announce soon. I've got all the stuff written <laughs> um, like we are so frequently these days waiting on an edit so as soon as that happens tc fans will be very excited about this kid very excited no hints other than that but they'll be very excited mm. so a little tease there keep your eyes on the twitter machine or on i don't know threads yeah, I guess threads in the is near future inst- to, right? Instagram, yeah. I guess I set up a threads profile earlier today.
1: I, I did too. It's
0: it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. They got to fix that news feed a little bit because there's no sorting mechanism right now. Yeah. And that's driving me a little nuts. But yeah, it's good to have, I guess, a backup for sure. if Twitter finally does when? go in the tank. But yeah, um, anywho, keep your eyes to socials and over the next couple of days, folks, because there should be another fun baseball announcement coming soon. It might be happening as you listen to this episode on Thursday. Who knows? I don't know the timing of it. I've just got stuff ready just in case. But that's a. I think the thing is with TCU baseball, the summary, summarization, the TLDR is they're in great shape. Obviously, the draft is going to have a lot to do with how many more portal guys they bring in. Um, but if you keep track of how many guys they've brought in versus how many guys are draft eligible. You can kind of start to get a picture of what TCU coaches and staff is expecting as far as guys that are going to go pro and guys that are going to come back. Uh, a couple of notes, just some updates on guys that are leaving the program that aren't draft eligible. David Bishop hit the portal a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Not um, surprising, probably, but such yeah. a
1: bummer. I just hate that it didn't work out for him. It does suck. It does suck.
0: Right. Because I mean, he had such a good start to his freshman year. Everybody was super hyped about him. Um, And then the second half, he hit that freshman wall that so many guys hit the off speed pitches really gave him problems. It felt too, just from a mental standpoint, like that called strike three to end that game against West Virginia, his freshman year, but he thought was a ball. uh, I think that really got in his head a little bit. And he, he was not the same after that. And you could tell that he wasn't seeing the baseball in the zone as well, pretty much from that point on, um, which is disappointing. And then you had yeah. a guy like Cole Fontenelle come in, yeah. play really good defensive first base, and he was hitting the cover off the ball. And, you know, you ha- you got to do what's best for the team at that yep. point. And so yeah. Bishop hits the portal. I, would, I, I, don't, I don't have any insider knowledge on this. I think a place like Georgia Tech would be a great fit for mm-hmm. him, right? Closer to home, power five program.
1: Yeah, really smart we-
0: kid. Smart kid, right? Like, good opportunity there, maybe at Georgia Tech. Georgia's got a new head coach as well. Um, maybe, maybe he gets on at Georgia. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. you know,
1: I, I think a fresh start, you know, obviously yeah. just uh, closer to home. I, I don't, I don't think this is the last we'll hear of, of David Bishop as a successful coll- collegiate baseball player. It's unfortunate that's going to happen somewhere else, but he certainly is. Um, I, I want to see him succeed man he was so good as a true freshman he, did, he came in in that in that position and really stabilized it so uh, wish the best for him hope he's not in the big 12.
0: Yeah for sure um, other guys that are hitting the portal uh, Owen Blackledge, Lil Ledge as he was lovingly known uh, on the baseball team roommates with uh, Trey Richardson and Elijah Nunez this year oh, the, ultimate, the ultimate hype man Right. Yeah. Uh, if you ever wondered who number thirty-five was, first guy out of the dugout to celebrate with his teammates, first guy to welcome the defense back off the field after that half inning, uh, you know that was Owen Blackledge, son of Todd Blackledge, yeah. former ESPN guy, um, but is now looking for a place to go and play a little bit more. So you you got to wish him the best. Murphy Brooks, we all know Murphy from the fall, yeah. um, falling ill as he got on campus, recovering from that. Fully healthy, fully ready to play, gained a ton of really good weight back. Uh, Saw him about a month ago. He looked really fit, looks in shape, looks ready to rock. He's committed to Louisiana now, so he's going to go play for the Ragin' Cajuns next year. Um, River Ridings is in the portal after kind of working his way out of that closer role that he started last season as. Uh, And then Justin Hackett also in the portal, uh, a rising sophomore pitcher. And then Cal Marley, uh, a rising sophomore as well, is not. Transferring out, but he is retiring from baseball, um, and will continue to be a student at TCU. Um, so he's going to hang out at TCU, still be around. Can't blame him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna step away from baseball and make the hard decision to do that, why also change schools and yeah. go to a new place? Right? Like you know, your people here. Uh, it's a great place to be.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so best it's- of luck to Cal and all that he chooses to do from here on yeah. out.
1: It's really hard to argue, um, especially with with kids at at TCU with with how expensive tuition is and how much Mm -hmm. of an investment they're generally making out of pocket to play there with the baseball scholarship limits. Um, If you've got an opportunity to go somewhere else and play, um, I think, you know, I think TCU baseball fans tend to get that, too. It's, It's not a bad look for the program that these guys are leaving. It doesn't say anything negative about. Kirk Sarlis, T.J. Bruce, anybody else? Yeah. Uh, I know exactly why you're smirking too, because I think you just read the text I sent. <laughs> I did. Um, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the little behind inside baseball guys for you. Um, so we will be outside uh, baseball soon enough. Yeah, it will be outside soon. Um, so, but yeah, but it, it's you know it's a bummer, but when you look at the the quality of people that they have, the quality of people that they're bringing in, um, let these guys go and get a chance to play um, and 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 make their investment pay off elsewhere. So um, yeah, that's. The, you know I, river ridings is gonna make me sad forever like that one's just gonna make me sad forever but every everybody i get it like i, I want i really want him to be successful and, and he's certainly earned that as well
0: look i mean i, I vividly remember so it was the it, I gosh january of 22 i had a chance to sit down with kirk sarlos before his first season as head coach um he was willing to, to sit down and do like a 30 minute on the record conversation to help preview the team. And I remember like having done some research before going in to talk to him first time I had really sat down and had a long conversation with him and um, looking at the, the, the roster and thinking river writings is really the only lefty in the bullpen yeah. on this thing. And just thinking how critical he was going to be to that season. And he was for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, but I remember asking Kirk about it too. I was like, is there, do you have concerns about really just having one lefty out of the bullpen? And he said, yeah, we're going to, you know, in the, in the future, kind of try and build up, have more lefties available and, you know, not necessarily to have more situational pitching, but just, it's good to have a balance in this day and age when you're trying to, like you said earlier with, um, Colt Taylor, changing eye levels, changing, you know, where the ball's coming from. Uh, and we just saw, we saw how effective a, a lefty out of the bullpen can be this year in Ben Abelt. But I mean, you look at now going into next year in the 24 season, the left-handed pitching that TCU is going to have on this team. Okay. Well, you start with Ben Abelt, Chase Hoover, and Braden Sloan, hmm. all of whom are rising sophomores, three pretty dang good lefties. You add Peyton Tully to that mix You add first-team All-Big 12 left-handed pitcher Ben Hampton from West Virginia, right? So there's five now. uh, And you have the potential for Kyle Carr, the Palomar Junior College kid, to get on campus too. Really hard-throwing lefty who will probably go high enough in the draft not to make it to campus. But uh, he is committed to TCU in case the draft doesn't go his way, right? So you shift in just two off-seasons, really one off-season, from not many lefties to a excuse me, a really good balance of lefties and righties. Um, you might even argue that there's more left-handed pitching depth on the team right now than right-handed pitching depth, uh, depending on obviously how everything else turns out. But, um, you know, I mean, Chase Burns is still out there and uncommitted. Uh, yeah. It should be noted too. Uh, I, I forgot to put this in the notes. Chase Burns is expected to visit TCU soon. So that's really all. that's really all the update I've got on Chase Burns. I don't expect him to make a decision in the near future. Um, he is going to take his visits. He's going to do his due diligence as he should.
1: Yeah,
0: as he should. He's a 3A GPA guy. He throws 102 miles an hour. I am I would be shocked if his phone has stopped ringing at this point. Yeah. So, um, but it's good news for TCU that they're going to get him on campus. Yeah, so get him really, on
1: campus. Really good. It's all you can ask for.
0: I mean, look, you, you talk about all these guys that have committed so far. Pretty much every single one of them is visited. And several of them have committed on the spot, right? Like totally committed before he left campus. I'm fairly certain, right? He committed in time for TJ Bruce to hug him. I know that much. (laughs) So (laughs) like, uh, I mean, you get guys on campus here and that speaks to the kind of place that TCU is. When you get a guy on campus, you know, you feel pretty good about your chances to land him. And that goes for not only baseball, but basketball, uh, for football, for every other sport. If you can get a kid to take a visit, you feel pretty good about your chances you to, to get them to commit.
1: Eh, we both did. So, but we don't get to true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could, like I <clears throat> visited and immediately knew that's where I was going to go to school and no one was recruiting me, but you know, and it was a long time ago, but whatever, This is neither here nor there.
0: <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Um Got a couple more updates for folks before we get into our Twitter and Instagram questions for tonight. Um, some very sad news happened earlier on uh, Wednesday afternoon before we recorded. Uh, Brian Brazil, former TCU football player, longtime Texas high school football coach, spent a long time at Hebron High School in the DFW area, had recently become the athletic director at Prestonwood Christian Academy, um, passed away. Uh, I believe it was on Wednesday um, after a, a quick and pretty significant battle with cancer. Um, Everywhere you go in the Texas high school football landscape, it's a, it's a family. It's a, it's a very interconnected space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Brazil's fingerprints were all over Texas high school football over the last 30 plus years. Um, Very sad loss for his family, first and foremost, for his friends, first and foremost, uh, also for the Texas high school football community and for the TCU community as a whole. So uh, prayers to his family and his friends, those that knew him and loved him. Uh, and cared about him. This is a difficult time for them. Uh, so we're thinking about them um, right now af- after his, after his yeah. passing, because he meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but we also have another update on Bram and Melissa, if you want to kind of give yeah. us an update, it feels like things are maybe turning in a good direction for him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that Bram obviously has a long road ahead of him, um, and and is somebody who you know played um, at an elite level and you know had so many amazing moments on an athletic field. Um, he's going to have to adjust to kind of a new way of life. But there was an article in the Star Telegram um, earlier this week with just an update, kind of coming from bram's um you know representatives his family his friends um you know he is it does look like he has lost both of his feet there's amputation um, mid-calf on both of his legs i know that rumor was going around and then people were saying it wasn't what happened um, but that has been confirmed Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is obviously going to be a, a significant change um as far as his lifestyle the way that he he goes about living um but it seems that 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 is kind of the the worst of it and and if you want to say that's a silver lining, um, I think it certainly is. Um, you know, Mentally, it looks like he's got his full capabilities. He's laughing. He's joking with friends. He's FaceTiming. He's texting. He's doing all of those things. That's really, really good news. Um, they've moved him out of the intensive care unit um, where, where he was originally taken for a deep trauma unit, military trauma unit. He's now kind of in a rehab facility, um, which should mean that that his prognosis is positive and he shouldn't have to have any more major surgeries from this point forward. So it's been a long road for for Bram, but it looks like there's a lot of reason for hope going forward. Um, you know, I know the TC community has really rallied around him and his family and will continue to do so. Um, I, I think we're all hopeful um, that, that Bram is at a point where, you know, he can, he can, talk, talk to people at some point directly, you know, whether it's over social media or something else. But, um, I, I think that it looks like, um, things are trending upward for him in a lot of ways and while his life will be different, um, it seems like his quality of life is is still going to be able to be relatively high and, and that's great news for him
0: and absolutely his family is. and friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, 99% of the time people who experience what he experienced don't make it. Yeah. So, the fact that he is alive, the fact that he is doing as well as he's doing, is nothing short of a miracle. Frankly, yeah. so very excited Amazing. for 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 Bram that he is on the long, long road to recovery, uh, and we know that the TCU community will be with him every step of the way.
1: And listen, when he's ready, he better be a give him hell TCU. He better. Oh, when he's, if ready, he's
0: not, if he's not, that's the biggest mistake the university yeah. has ever made.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Let's dive in uh, as we kind of close out this episode, Melissa, to some Twitter and instagram questions we asked you guys for questions first time we've done that since yeah. we've been the frogs insider podcast i you felt that more i felt the urge so yeah. we got a it rolling it's also um, dangerous
1: it's very dangerous it is with dangerous our, with the people that follow us it could be um, very concerning
0: yes but we got some really good questions both on twitter and instagram i will i will posit the same opportunity to the threads community next week as well for the for the for the show guess
1: i guess i gotta get my so profile finished get so that I can profile finished yeah.
0: so we can we can interact with threads uh i mean just might as well right yeah, it's just not? who cares it's one more social Thanks. media platform sure. i'm on like 40 at this point yeah
1: it's like um, it's like cut the cord you know it just gets worse
0: yeah but at least it's all it's uh, i mean i'm not paying for verification on any of these things so yeah. it's free me for me i guess for now yeah. but um anyways we're diving in to some Twitter questions. I'm just going to read them in order that I see them. It's not necessarily the order that they came in, but uh, Eric Sorensen at Eric sports 360 Arizona said bes- asks besides Dom Williams, who are the main candidates to step up on the defensive line quote uh, in parentheses easily the biggest concern area on defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fair to to say that that's probably, I don't know, if concern, but question. I, I would put a lot of questions there. Um, but mm-hmm. there's certainly some talent. I mean, it's not like we're devoid of talent. It's it's more like who's going to step up. Um, you know, you get time on Mitchell back. You talked about him, I think, last week. There's some, some young guys um, that certainly have some potential. You know, you look at uh, Paul Oiwale, who uh, there was a lot of positive buzz coming out of him, his, his true freshman season and fall camp. Like he's a great athlete. I um, mean, you've got, you've got some, uh, some veteran guys and Sony Misi still around. Is it he, I think, yep. is, is, yeah, he's still around. Uh, you've got, uh, Caleb Fox is still around. Correct. So mm-hmm. some guys that, that kind of had some spot duty that that could step up, um, there are some pieces uh, that, that could kind of come together, but I think it's right to have some questions. Who, who's kind of your, who are you looking at as a candidate? Oh, you've got one. You're so ready.
0: No, I actually, you were mad at me earlier for teasing a silent commitment. Yeah. He just texted me and said, hey man, I'm about to post my commitment. And since this isn't going live anywhere until tomorrow, I can go ahead and tell you that, uh, how do I say his last name? Peyton Chantigny. The longtime second baseman at Ole Miss has committed to TCU. He actually committed to the Frogs on Monday, uh, wanted to take his time. He was on vacation when he committed. um, And he also wanted to make sure that he called all the other head coaches who had been recruiting him out of the portal to let them know about his decision Ah, before he made it public that he was committing to TCU. So um, really cool, really big get for TCU. This is one of those commitments too that. If you are paying attention to who TCU baseball is recruiting from the portal and you are looking at the list of players who are draft eligible for TCU this year, which the draft is happening in days, we'll probably talk mostly about who goes in the draft on the next episode. Um, You can start to draw some conclusions about who's going and who's coming back. So obviously it's not a given that Peyton's going to play second base at TCU, but he did yeah. say earlier today when I talked to him on the phone, that that was his goal was to be the starting second baseman. Uh, and he's super excited to be a TCU. Another guy who committed to TCU for the culture. Um, another guy who committed because of the coaching staff. He made a joke that he's like, I took a ton of visits and there was not a single visit like TCU. There was no other place where a coach came out and flip-flops, a Hawaiian collared t-shirt with his golden retriever running around. Uh, who was laid back and relaxed and fun. And he's like, you can't be at that environment. So Peyton is a, a, another Horn Frog, the second transfer portal kid named Peyton, spells it with an E instead of an A, like Tully. Um, and Here's so that's a, I, that's a big addition for yeah. TCU.
1: Here's what I love is this is a kid who has been on the mountaintop. He's won a national championship, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, when you look at TCU trying to get over the hump, having somebody that has experienced winning in Omaha, um, I think is a huge deal. You know, I think having that championship mentality, knowing what it takes to win at that high level and being able to kind of imbue that on all of these transfers and some of these younger players that are going to step up. Um, I think it could be huge just again as another builder in that in that culture um, around the Horn Frogs and another piece that, that could kind of help them take that next step and get over the hump. So yeah, that's great. Very exciting. Um, thank you Peyton for going ahead and texting Jamie during our podcast so that, that we could announce that and I wouldn't be left wondering because when Jamie says it was a silent commit like it, I, I tried to go it out of him in the, in the chat and he wouldn't do it so no,
0: this, this I, is a man
1: of integrity he's a man of his word
0: I keep my promises let it be known I keep my promises um, Melissa do you want to run the next uh, Twitter question for yeah.
1: us yeah. So, so our friend, uh, I, I think I've, I've talked to this guy before. He's really just, just t- gets a, very involved on Twitter. It's kind of weird. Uh, Colin Post, I think, is his name. <laughs> um, weird you know, he, dude, weird dude. Um, he, he had some questions about, uh, uh, some current and former TC players. Uh, one of them was Damian ball. We already talked about him at length. So I think we're good. Um, Colin wants to know what Mike miles ceiling is in Dallas and is Jameer Nelson jr. A, the replacement for Mike. Um, you know, I think that the the roster construction in Dallas is going to make things interesting for Mike miles, but I think like we've talked about previously, Kyrie hasn't played a full season in quite a while for various reasons. I would not be surprised at all if Mike spends a considerable amount of time on um, the roster in Dallas and dressed out the play. I also think he's one of those guys that his skill set is going to transfer to the NBA as far as being able to come off the bench, create offense and be a playmaker. Um, you know, his playmaker ratings weren't great, and I think that's part of the reason that he went undrafted, but we've seen him at TCU do things within the flow of the game that maybe go a little bit underrated. And so, um, I I mean, I think his ceiling is member of the, of the roster full time getting, you know, meaningful minutes off of the bench. Um, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a guy that averages double digits off the bench for a really long time in the league. Um, and, and I don't, I, I think down the line there, there could be an opportunity for him to be a starter, um, Jameer Nelson Jr. is a replacement. I think replacing Mike Miles is probably too heavy a load to put on Jameer Nelson Jr.'s shoulders. Um, I think that he will provide a lot of the offensive firepower that we saw in Mike. Um, he's a little, you know, he's not that much bigger than Mike. He's another kind of smaller guard, um, if I remember correctly. Um I think that he will be the right transition from Mike to keep TCU competitive in the Big 12 and help make them, you know, hopefully a tournament team for a third consecutive year. Um, but I don't I don't know that I would be willing to call him a full replacement. Um, any Anything to add on any of that?
0: Yeah, I think it's tough to, to say anybody's going to come in and just replace Mike Miles. I mean, you're talking about one of the, the best scorers in the history of the program. One of the best overall guards in the history of the program. They are similar sizes. Nelson's also listed at 6'1", so they're about the same size. I wouldn't be surprised if Jameer has slightly longer arms than uh, Mike does. But he definitely has the game that is the closest comparison on this current roster to Mike. And you need a guy like that who, when you need a bucket, he can go get a bucket. He's going to be one of the primary ball handlers on the team. He's going to protect the basketball. He's got good court vision. He's got good assist numbers. He's going to get his teammates involved, and he's not going to hurt you on the defensive side of the basketball either. So, I mean, he is as close to a complete player as TCU has right now from a guard perspective, but I think truly – I mean, it it feels crazy to say this, losing Mike and Damian in the same offseason and Hade – but I TCU's guard depth is in a really good spot right now. When you think about Jameer plus Trey Tennyson, who's a 40% three-point shooter coming up from AM Corpus plus Avery Anderson, who's probably the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. Great in transition, elite defender. Uh, do you want a fourth guard in that mix? Probably. Could that be Jace Posey? Possibly. Um I don't know how much playing time these freshmen are going to find for themselves this year. And there is still the possibility that TCU goes out and gets another guard in the portal. A couple have entered late in the, in the uh, cycle here that they might go and give that 13th scholarship to the, the other option is giving that, that scholarship to Tyler Lundblade who transferred over from SMU left a scholarship at SMU to come and walk on at TCU and has been, arguably the hardest worker on the team ever since he stepped foot on campus. So rewarding a guy like that, who's also frankly a very underrated three point shooter um, might be the way to go for TCU, depending on how they feel out the portal or kind of moving forward. I, th- I do think though that TCU is in a really good position to once again, kind of finish in that top quadrant of, of the conference as far as basketball is concerned, gets a little harder with Houston in the mix now as well. But um. Uh, I see no reason for the frogs to be moving backwards at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, Agree. I'm going to jump in and go two in a row here. Yeah, The TCU burner has some really interesting questions. Um, Will the absence of Dylan Horton cause Gillespie to run significantly more linebacker pressures? How is the QB room currently faring behind Morris? Dylan Wright versus Savion Williams, who will be better? And then the best part of his question is the last one. What uniquely sadistic way will we find to beat Baylor this year?
0: I'm going to start with the final question point Mm -hmm. of that i think that so obviously there's not much better than beating your rival on a last second field goal to preserve your undefeated season um and uh crush their hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on their on their home field like that is like the pinnacle for sure um i will say that it's even more fun to make them feel like they never had a shot. Right. Like when you run out of fireworks against Texas tech, like that was one of the most euphoric feelings I've had yeah. as a TCU fan, um, as someone who wants to write that story again, that would be pretty cool to do that, uh, against Baylor this upcoming season and say, yeah, TCU for the second time in their history, ran out of fireworks, absolutely beating the brakes off of the Baylor bears. Um, I don't want anybody to get fired because I like Dave Miranda. Um, But, you know, having your having your rival reeling on their heels, asking, you know, really existential questions after you beat them is it's a good feeling.
1: I think that Blake Shapin has among the most um, slappable faces in all of college (laughs) athletics. And so I I kind of piggybacking off of you, I would like there to be an image and I would like to take this photo personally of him sitting on the bench in front of the TCU student section with a single tear rolling down his cheek because he has been so utterly and completely destroyed and humiliated by TCU's defense. Josh Newton has like three interceptions Chad Banks gets another one just because that's what he does. against gets Baylor. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I, I think like something like 70 to like three and Blake shaping gets pulled in like the middle of the second quarter because he's, it's just been that bad of a day for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with <clears> you. Um, Dylan Wright. I keep forgetting Dylan Wright is on the roster. Like this is this is a pretty pretty nice piece that TCU went and got. And when you hear talk about all the other uh, wide receivers that that TCU has gotten out of the portal, I think I, t- I tend to forget that he is um, more one of the more marquee names that they went and signed. Who's who's gonna? Let's see it this way. Who's gonna have more receptions? Who's gonna have more touchdowns?
0: Dylan Wright or who?
1: Savion Williams.
0: Uh whew. I don't know. I. My gut, my instinct right there was that Savion Williams is going to have more receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Mm. I think that there is value in being a part of a system. I think there's value in being on campus when you're learning how, to, uh, yeah. how new stuff's being installed. Dylan Wright wasn't here in the spring, so I yeah. think that puts him kind of behind the eight ball as far as when he does get on campus. Learning the playbook's going to be a priority. Uh, do I think that he ends up a really significant part of this offense. Yes. But I give Savi on the edge simply because he's here. He's been working. He understands, he understands what's expected of him. And also, right. Like he's kind of the next man up. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, he's been Quentin's number two guy for the last three years. It's his turn. And I don't think he's going to let that opportunity go to waste. And so when you talk about a guy who's, who's really kind of primed to have a huge season, we've talked a lot about John Paul Richardson this off season. Uh, I think Savion Williams is primed to have an absolutely banger of a year for TC football,
1: man. I hope so. I would love to see him have the breakout that we've all been kind of waiting for him to have. Um, That being said, I feel like he hasn't, I mean, and again, he's been overshadowed by Quentin Johnson, other players, I think Dylan Wright's going to end up with more yards. Mm-hmm. I think Savion Williams is going to have more touchdowns. I'm going to go Savion with more catches too.
0: Okay. I think that's totally think, reasonable.
1: Yeah. It'll be close. I think it'll be close. And I, I, if Savion Williams has like nine touchdowns this year, TC is probably in a pretty good position.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think a that's pretty, fair.
1: that'd be a good number for the Horn Frogs.
0: Yes, I agree. I think that's really fair uh just so you know Peyton's commitment post just went up on Twitter as well so everyone go and love that tell him that he's uh part of the best best baseball program in the country cuz he might he might just he might be you know going into he might,
1: he might be going
0: into next year um i am trying to find where my post just went so that i can tweet that out <laughs> while happened? you're doing
1: that i'll go ahead and vamp for you thank um, you Tommy chimes in uh, who should have been on the preseason Big 12 team that, or who was not on the preseason Big 12 team that should have from TCU. I think we, we covered that. Um, are either of you concerned at all about TCU having the 50th ranked recruiting class right now coming off a natty runner up season? I think we've talked a lot about TCU's kind of recruiting strategy. Um, the way they've gone about when that bump is going to come. I've been really happy with what we've seen so far, especially when you look ahead to kind of 2025, um, you know, TCU is going to be very intentional with who they offer and who they sign. You've talked about that quite a bit as well. Um, They've had a lot of camps. They've seen a lot of guys, um, actually kind of getting those offers collected in the way that you want. It can be a time-consuming process. If there's one thing we know as TCU fans, it's that recruiting is never going to start the way that we want it to. Um, but it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. I mean, Texas Tech had the number one recruiting class for, for quite a while last year because of sheer volume. TCU is not in a position where they need to volume offer. They need to find, much like TCU baseball, they need to find the right guys to fill the holes that they're anticipating having. And they're using a lot of Transfer Portal to do so. And those don't factor into um, the high school recruiting rankings, of course. So um, I'm not concerned yet. I I will say that the only thing that would concern me would be a big step backwards this year, followed by a poor recruiting class in 2024. And I don't anticipate that happening. So um, I'm not worried. I really, TC staff has shown that they can close. Um, You've got some of the best and brightest and most relatable young minds, Um, you know, for that program. And so I feel really good about what they're going to be able to do um, not just this year, but but going into the future, regardless of, of kind of that national championship bust or uh, not bust, uh, uh, burst
0: burst. Yeah. Bust burst. Wasn't the the one I was looking
1: for. Yeah. Bump. Bump was the one I was looking for. Yeah, There you
0: go. There you go. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I was tweeting out that article. Which question was that?
1: That was, um, are we worried about the shape of TC's recruiting ranking? He said 50th, which I don't think is correct. No, it's higher
0: than that now, too. It's in the 30s, I believe, at this point. Uh, Let me double check. Uh, Obviously, there are differences between 24-7 and uh, on three and ESPN and rivals. They all have their own numbers. Uh, Oh, it is 54 on 24-7 right now. Uh, I guess other commitments have kind of bumped that back down again. No, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned. Uh, I, I did hear you kind of in my subconscious mention the transfer portal and and the guys that they brought in and you're right, right? Like the, how you construct a team at the college level is wildly different now than it has been ever before. And so you have to kind of take into account who are the older guys that they brought in to kind of shore up some, some positions that maybe they were worried about, um, and when you look at the guys that they have in this class, I mean, this is some incredible talent. Kyle Baker, I think, is going to end up as one of the highest-ranked wide receivers in the state, if not the country. Uh, Jeremy Payne is going to be – he's already the number 20 running back in the country. I think he's going to end up higher than that. Haas Haney just showed out at Elite 11, put a lot of guys on on the ma- uh, on the his name. Like, he's, he's becoming a much more well-known commodity across the college football landscape now. Um, I mean, he jumped. I believe it was 150 positions in the latest 24/7 rankings update. Right? That only wow. equated to that only equated to moving up one spot at quarterback from 16 to 17, or from 17 to 16. But still, I mean, he's jumping a lot of guys right now in the rankings. His rating is going up, uh, and then guys that have been committed for a long time, like Travis Jackson, Tobias Steps, Ryan Hughes, like these guys are kind of the core that you want to have. Those are guys that. Uh, TCU went out and found as well I think this is a really good class You also have to remember that part of these rankings Are based on number of commits That you have Not necessarily the quality of commit That you have And so with with 24-7 especially You get a little bit of a bump When you have 14, 15, 16 guys Committed at this point Versus the 8 or 10 Like TCU has right now So um, it's a long game it's it's a long recruiting cycle. We're still, uh, you know, five months away from National Signing Day, Early Signing Day. Uh, TCU has a lot of good guys that are close. I think right now uh, they're in the race for a lot of really quality players. Right now, it is way too early, way 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 too yeah. early to hit the panic button on on TCU recruiting f- for football for twenty
1: twenty four. Agree, agree. We're getting pretty long here. Should we rapid fire a couple of these last yes. questions here? Let's do it. Okay, rapid fire. Will we have a a repeat performance of last year's TCU football season? It was so much fun. James Moore asked that. I it'll mean, be it fun.
0: It'll be tough to do exactly what they did last year, but it was tough to do it last year. Yeah. So
1: yeah. I think it'll still be fun. I don't think we're gonna play for a national championship two years in a row. Could be wrong. Uh our buddy Yell MK, speaking of fireworks, coming off the fourth of July. Should my Arena replicate the scoring celebration of A M G and shoot off a couple of bottle rockets into the Raptors every time Emmanuel Miller drains his three. This is an easy one. Yes.
0: I will gladly buy a bunch of bottle rockets and just fire them off from the press section. Yeah,
1: perfect. I don't think
0: Stephen Chun would matter would mind at all. No, not one bit mind at all.
1: Not one bit. we uh, Will Chase Burns pitch on Friday or Saturdays for TCU next season? Our friend Martin wants to ask that. Uh,
0: if he's committed to TCU, he's going to be starting on Fridays.
1: Yale comes back with one more question. Rank them: torchies, fuzzy, salsa, lemon, velvet tacos. Says perfect, purposely leaving out the legit Mexican taquerias because it's a different genre of food. Could not agree with them more. Jamie what's your ranking
0: I think that the, the you could split those four choices into two different genres of taco as Fair. well but since they're all clustered together I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get heat for this I don't care Fuzziest torchy salsa limone and then velvet taco you could just miss me all together
1: I I said rapid fire but I'm I'm stunned speechless um yeah velvet taco overrated sorry no offense not bad unless you want to sponsor us and then you become our number one um I mean salsa limon is probably the best quality but man like I miss Fuzzy's queso I really miss Fuzzy's queso mm-hmm. and I'm not ashamed to admit that so that I will be eating fuzzies when I'm in town next week for big 12 media days there you go um, and if I'm saying if I'm going to go to one of those places and I'm only going to go to one I'm probably going to fuzzies so I guess that's my answer um uh let's see oh and then did we get any on instagram you got any instagram for us? yes
0: we had a couple on instagram All right, let's wrap a couple and then we'll well, finish
1: with my adam um here i've got two
0: over under uh tim on twitter from my retweet of my original tweet over under seven and a half wins this fall if you happen to be in that into that kind of thing
1: oh are we counting a bowl game
0: you you tell me
1: let's count a bowl game um so that i can safely pick the over
0: i'm taking the over without a bowl game wow okay I, okay. You look at the you look at TCU's schedule. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they start seven zero, going up to Manhattan for that uh, matchup in, in mid October. Um, and then another one is TCU basketball roster. Is TCU's basketball roster completely filled out? That's from Charles G. Uh, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. They still do have one more scholarship available. What they do with it is still kind of up in the air. Whether they bring in another portal guy, give it to a walk on on the team, or just kind of let it ride. They've been letting that thirteenth scholarship ride the last few years. Next, Jackson Johnson on Twitter asks How can the TCU defense improve to at least the top 30 in the nation? Melissa.
1: Oh, I mean, I think it's just going to be one more year in the system, executing at a high level where it's really going to be the difference maker is can they get pressure on the quarterback? I mean, that's been kind of the secret sauce when TCU has been elite defensively, no matter who the coach is, it's because they've been able to get pressure they've really struggled to do that with consistency over the last couple of years. So I think it came on pretty strong at the end of last season. Um, this will be a better and more efficient unit. I don't know if the talent will be as high overall, um, but assuming that the defensive line can be productive and that the linebackers kind of round into form, we talked about the depth at that position last week. Um, I think that it's just going to be a matter of executing and playing together that kind of that one of 11 philosophy um, to, to see Joe Gillespie system through. I don't think they will be a top 30 unit this year, but I think that they will be much more productive um, in 2023, though they may not force as many turnovers. We had a lot of good turnover luck last year.
0: I agree. I agree. And then last question. Davis W. Who I know in real life and I know why he's asking me this question. Will Texas A&M have a similar comeback season like the 2022 TCU team? Davis. Who?
1: who?
0: Texas A&M. Uh, who? Davis. Uh, brother, all you, gotta do, you got to do, you don't have to ask me questions like this. All you have to do is Google Texas A&M schedule 2023. <laughs> and then you look at it and you say... Do we still play Alabama this year? Oh, mm-hmm. yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, do we play Tennessee this year? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're at Tennessee. Do we still play LSU this year? Oh, yep. We're at LSU this year. And there's your answer.
1: Yeah. Why Why, do people, want to, why do people want to join the SEC? I don't know. Um. Don't know. Last question before we go. Adam asks, why is Sacramento the capital of California? Is it just a jumping off point for camping in Northern California? I'm not even going to get to Martin's response on that. You can go on Twitter if you want to see it. Um, listen, Sacramento has a rich and unique history. And what most people don't realize is Sacramento was actually the first founding spot in California. It is the hub of the Gold Rush. It's the hub of the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, it was the business epicenter of not just california but most of america during the gold rush and everybody had to come through sacramento because it was far enough from the ocean to where it was not easily attackable but close enough to major water fairs to make um a trade very very easy um i will say this that uh la- a couple weeks ago i was in napa on a saturday i was in tahoe on a sunday this weekend i was in the bay area um people can crap on sacramento all they want but we have excellent weather excellent food scene we won't talk about the cost of living we won't talk about the unhoused people population problem um but when you consider everything else that goes into um living sacramento a place that i did not appreciate as a young person but i grew up as a suburb of sacramento which is embarrassing um living in sacramento now i have to say um is what a wonderful place to uh to live to raise a family i'm sure and to enjoy uh wonderful weather and also hashtag light the beam
0: And with that, this has been another episode of Frog's Insider. Thank you for listening. Please make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Network. There you'll get not only access to our podcast every week, but access to all of the podcasts across the network, which means that you you get a podcast for every D1 football program in the state of Texas. It's awesome. There's nothing else like this out there. Make sure you're subscribed there. If you want just the Frogs Insider stream as well, also subscribe to that wherever you find your podcast. That'll give you just our feed, but hit up that uh, network feed as well. That helps us out. That helps all our buddies out across the network. And it helps out Dave Campbell's Texas football, which we love them cool. for letting us be a part of that. Yeah. Shout out to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring this episode. Shout out to Melissa for always being the best co-host out there. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Frog Preacher. She's at the coach, Melissa. Find us on threads. Same handles, I'm assuming. At least mine is the same. Mine will be probably
1: Melissa Tree because of my Instagram handle.
0: Follow me on Instagram too. Why Uh, not? Follow Frogs Insider on Instagram and YouTube. And uh, you know what? That's enough promo. We'll see you next time. Go Frogs.
1: Go Frogs.